0: for the hundredth time or something. It's good to see everybody here this morning. If you're a guest, I just want to again welcome you into Living Way. Um, Children, you can be dismissed with NARDA. Um, Just want to welcome you this morning. My name is John. I'm the youth pastor. Started in February. And uh, it's been an honor to to get to hang out with these hooligans and get to get to know them and... um, It's just been good. We've had fun. Hopefully we will continue to do so in the summer. And as summer camp comes up, I just wanted to say I bet as we woke up this morning and expected to come to church that we wouldn't be asked to be the church. I hope you understand the difference. We can come to church and participate in services and then we can be the church and bring the service and we can be Jesus, and we can encourage those around us and live a life worthy of the calling that God has placed on our lives. And so um, this morning I'm I'm going to ask you to do something at the end. And you don't have to participate if you don't want to, I understand. It can be a little intimidating. Um, but I want to challenge you this morning that the Word of God tells us that we're not only supposed to be hearers of the Word but doers also. And so this morning, as we uh, dive into Scripture, just think about, let's be the church. Amen. Right? Yeah. About a year ago, I don't know if I'm just going to act like nobody knows me in this place, so I lived in Columbia uh, for 10, nine months, nine and a half months, and halfway through that, I had to come back, because there's a gentleman I needed to talk to and ask his permission if I could marry his daughter, and during that time she was also graduating, so I wanted to come and see her graduate with her master's degree. And um, after graduation, we decided to drive back to Abilene that night. So it was myself, Bethany, and her brother in the car, and we were having a great conversation. I mean, just a really deep. I'm not one for small talk, and so it's always good to get around Jared because he's not one for small talk either. He likes kind of deep, challenging questions and In that conversation, I began to share just how God had placed the burden on my heart that we don't really need another Bible study, or I personally don't need another Bible study. What I needed to do was begin to step out, begin to move on the revelation I had already been given, on the understanding of Scripture that I already possessed. I didn't need to ask more questions and and need to know all the answers. What I need to do was be obedient to God as He led. And I was sharing that, and I was really moved in that moment. And have I done that, though? I mean, honestly, have I began to step out like I was saying? You know, Jared and I had a conversation with Bethany, and I was just... When God speaks, do I personally, John Poe, move? No. Do I listen to His voice all the time? No. And that really burdened me as I prepared this message because again, in James twenty-two, one twenty-two, we can't just be hearers of the Word, but doers also. And if we're constantly studying the Word, but not doing at what it's asking, are we even really listening to begin with? You know, I tried to write this sermon or a sermon... Three different times, I was up here till eleven o'clock last night, preaching to the chairs, and I could not get a sermon to work. I couldn't; scripture just wasn't opening up to me, and I was beating myself up because I know personally I have not spent enough quiet time, enough time with the Word, enough time seeking God's faith. Um, and I began to say, "This is why. This is why. This is why." I'm, I'm just not doing enough. I'm not doing enough. And I was really convicted because I was going to stand up here with all three sermons. The message was, as God speaks, do what he's asked, knowing full and well that I'm a hypocrite as I say it, that I could ask you to be obedient to God because it's easy to stand up here and preach the rah-rah message of, let's go Christians, let's be the church. But when it comes down to my personal life and God's asked me to be the church, I ignore him and I walk the other way. But I know the truth. I know God has said, listen, it's more important to hear and do than rather just hear. It's more important that you you have some level of obedience in your life as a Christian. Otherwise, you're just spiritually fat. You're just constantly eating the Word of God and not doing anything with it. And the Bible tells us that if you're not a good steward of what you have, God will take it away. You know, he, he has a parable where he gives... Certain levels of money to different people. And one does nothing with it. As a matter of fact, he buries it and hides it. And that gets taken away from him and given to the one who does something with it. And so this morning, I'm going to give the church a chance to be the church. I don't plan to preach long, surprisingly. I don't plan to preach long. I want to be out of here no later than 1130. Okay, but that doesn't mean lunch starts at 11.30. I want to give the church an opportunity to be the church. I want to give myself an opportunity to not just preach, but do. Not just say, but act, right? Dan and Narda, at the same time that I was visiting Bethany a year ago, um, I had preached on a Wednesday night, and Dan and Narda shared a story with me that to this day has brought conviction on my life. And it's a story about a German church during the time of World War II. And it was built right next to some railroad tracks. And every Sunday this church would gather and they would sing their hymns and their pastor would preach. And every Sunday the train would pass and they would sing a little louder, the preacher would talk a little louder so that the people don't get distracted by the rattling windows. But you see on this train where the Jews headed to the concentration camps. And God's people covered their eyes, plugged their ears, and stayed inside their full walls as people were screaming out for help. 2 Timothy 3, 1-5 says, Remember this, in the last days there will be many troubles, because people will love themselves, love money, brag, and be proud. They will say evil things against each other and they will not obey their parents or be thankful or be the kind of people God wants. They will not love others, will refuse to forgive, will gossip and will not control themselves. They will be cruel, will hate what is good and will turn against their friends and will do foolish things without thinking. They will be conceited, will love pleasure instead of God and will act as if they serve God but will not have his power. Stay away from these people. Is that not the state of our modern world? As you turn on the news, you can see that people are constantly turning away from God, abandoning morality, calling what is good evil and evil good, right? You can see it. I mean, when when you don't recognize sin, you no longer need a Savior. When sin no longer is important to you, Jesus becomes irrelevant. And that's the world that exists outside of churches this morning, all across America. Right now, there's people out shopping or eating or sleeping in. And we love them. I'm not condemning them. I'm saying, what are we doing to love them like Christ loves them? And I I believe in church, I believe the fellowship, it's important, it's important to learn, but it's also important to go. And in our church, I see a little bit of a lack of evangelism, and being as I'm gifted in evangelism, um, I'm going to challenge us a little bit this morning. So grab your Bibles, let's turn over to Jeremiah chapter 1, we're going to spend a little bit of time here, then we're going to have a response time, and then I'm going to ask you to do something, and it's going to take a step of faith. It's going to put you in an uncomfortable position, but that's okay because Jesus said, I'm sending my comforter to you. So when you get uncomfortable, he comforts you. That's how that works. Jeremiah, chapter 1. I'm going to start in verse 4 of Jeremiah's call, and I'm going to read to about verse 12. I might go through the whole chapter. I don't know. I'm trying to be quick, though. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, or Jeremiah said, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see a branch of an almond tree. And the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am ready to perform my word. I'm going to step Let's quickly step through these verses and really focus and hone in on verse 7 and 8. And so go back to verse 4 with me. And verse 4, it's a simple verse, and I don't know if I've ever preached on just this type of verse. It says, The word of the Lord came to me saying. It's a statement in the Bible that leads into a dialogue between Jeremiah and, and, and God. But the word of the Lord came to me saying. This is a call on Jeremiah's life. This is when his ministry as a prophet starts. If you don't know about Jeremiah, he is known as the weeping prophet in the book. He also wrote the book of Lamentations because he understands at this point, even this is before Jesus, this is before the Babylonian exile, he understands that the relationship with God is to be like a marriage. We are his bride and he is our groom. And he calls the church, or at that time the Israelites, like an unfaithful wife. And because of this, he knows that God is is sharpening the Babylonian swords. He knows that God is preparing, is is allowing the Babylonians to destroy Jerusalem. and, And they're coming. But Jeremiah weeps because he's moved with compassion for these people. He doesn't want that to happen. He, he wants them to repent and to turn and come back to God and live in relationship with Him again. He weeps. He is so moved for these people who spit on Him, who beat Him, who imprisoned Him, who threw Him in a hole where they throw their, their uh, bathroom stuff. I don't know what you would call that. Waste. That's a better word. Right? And after all this, he doesn't get mad. He doesn't say, you deserve what you're about to get. He weeps. And the word of the Lord comes to him saying, when God speaks to you, it's not for you. A calling on your life is not for you. It helps you understand who you are. It helps you bring a sense of identity into your own personal life. But listen, if that's all you get out of a calling, then you've missed the calling. Abraham was not blessed so he could be wealthy. He was blessed so he could be a blessing. You were called so you can go forth and call. You get words from the Lord so that you can give words to people. The Bible is here for not to us just to read, but to share, to speak, to give. When the word of the Lord comes, it should not stay. With who heard it. There are sometimes God speaks very personal things to you, and He says, This in your life is not right. Or I love this about you, and this is your giftings, and this is your identity as a son or a daughter in the kingdom. And then there's other times He reveals somebody else's identity, and He wants you to do that. He wants you to go forth and say, This is who you are, according to the gospel, according to the Word of God. And Jeremiah. When the word of the Lord came to him, that is exactly what he understood is that this is for the Israelites. My life is to be a servant calling forth those into the kingdom. As a Christian, Jesus lays down the great commission right before he ascends into heaven. It's in Matthew 28 and he says, go therefore and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey all my commandments. It's, it's a general calling, not a specific calling, but every Christian who believes in Jesus has access, has rights, and has obligations to this calling, to go and make disciples. Now, this isn't to go and Bible beat people or to go and point out their flaws. This is to go and weep and be moved with compassion for those who don't know that judgment is at their door. That passage out of Timothy, he was talking about the end times. That time is short. Jeremiah, the guitarist Jeremiah this morning, was talking about, we're not guaranteed tomorrow. Why put off tomorrow what God is calling for you today? Amen. It might not be there tomorrow. That person that you ran into at such and such place might not be sitting in your living room tomorrow or at work with you tomorrow. That was a great word, Jeremiah. Moving on to verse 5. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, I know God is specifically speaking to Jeremiah here, but if we could open up the word a little bit and apply it to my own or your own personal life. And this is God's word to us today. He says, I formed you in the womb. God, the Father, the Maker of heaven and earth, took His hands and He formed you in the womb. You are His creation. You were made on purpose for purpose. That's our theme of camp this year. We'll be looking at identity for our students and for families as they go to camp. But it also applies today. God made you in the womb on purpose for purpose. I don't care what your history is. If you're a a product of rape or overdose, or drug use, and it was just a mistake. Or if your parents split, or if you got a beautiful family, I don't care. The more important thing here is that you need to know that God made you. He knew you. He knew the the intricate workings of your heart, your being, your likes, your dislikes. He knew everything about you before the foundation of the world. He sanctified you, ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now the word prophet in the Old Testament is a different than the New Testament prophet. The prophet in the Old Testament was to act as God's mouthpiece to the people. God would speak to the prophet. The prophet would speak to the people and call mostly for repentance because we're human and we just don't get it. We don't get relationship with God and we constantly mess up. And they, Israelites were prone to seeking other gods and, and worshiping idols and so... They would have a great king rise up or a prophet it says return to God. They would return to God and then that person would die and then they would return to idols and so it repeats. But you, Living Way Church, the people sitting in this room, you were made by God, set apart, sanctified, holy, all those words are the same, for a purpose. He ordained you. He gave you permission. He gave you Right. He said, you can do it. You're the one I choose to be my prophet and go to the nations. To speak to the people around you. I give you right. I made you. I know you. I called you. I give you the right. And I'm giving you the words to speak. But just like me, personally, I can relate to Jeremiah here and... I would hope, or not hope, I actually don't hope this, but I would assume we make excuses. And Jeremiah says, Ah, Lord, behold, I'm in verse 6, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. Jeremiah claimed inadequacy and inexperience, but he forgets the ultimate calling of Israel, the reason God even set forth redemption. He said, I will be their God, and they will be my people. And from the moment they walked out of the garden, the presence of God led them. He took them to Joseph in prison, to Egypt, to the ten plagues, to being led literally through the Red Sea by fire at night and a cloud by day, to the mountain, to the Ten Commandments, to the prophets. It was God's presence the whole way. He says, I will be your God and you will be my people. It was his inadequacies, but he forgot that God is with us. So in what way are we inadequate now? Verse 7, God addresses this. He says, but the Lord said to me, to Jeremiah, do not say, I am a youth, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and whatever I command you You shall speak. Now don't listen to you shall go. You will do what I tell you, boy. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about God's sweet grace and his belief in us that we can do what he calls us to do. He's already sanctified us. He's already ordained us. And he's giving us the words. says, you can go wherever I send you. And you can speak as I tell you to. You have right to do so. You are my children, and I am your God. Then he put, or sorry, verse 8 it said, Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. So I want to stop here, and I want to make three points. If you're a note taker, this is the time. Three points. I'm on pace, I got 15 more minutes. First point that God makes in verse 7 is stop voicing disqualifications. When God speaks to you, when He comes to you, when He calls you, when you feel the nudge of the Holy Spirit leading you, stop voicing your inadequacy. Why you're not good enough. Why you... That's not God. That was me and the tacos from lunch. That was not God. That was... No, that's that's silly. You know what? And here's another thing we do. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. We throw out verbatims. If they walk by me 20 seconds from now and we look at each other for three seconds and then they turn and we face each other and we shake hands, then I will say what God has asked me to say to them. But until that happens, Lord, it's not you. And then it happens and you're like, okay, but that was like 2.9 seconds. So (laughs) it's not quite what I was asked for, Lord. You know what I mean? Stop voicing disqualifications. Listen, we can make excuses all day long of why we're not good enough. You know it. I personally know my own. There's plenty of reasons why I'm not good enough. Just because I have the gift to speak does not mean I should have the right. And most of the time when I get ready to preach, I feel very humbled that a 25-year-old man can stand up in front of people who've walked with the Lord for longer than my age. And uh, I don't feel worthy To teach people who know more about this than I do. But it's not about me. See when God calls. He sanctifies. He qualifies. And he speaks. In verse 9. I'm still on stop voice and disqualifications. But in verse 9. The Lord put forth his hand and touched Jeremiah's mouth. And the Lord said. Behold I have put my words in your mouth. It's the same picture when we see the call of Isaiah in chapter 6, verse 7. When the angel takes the coals from the burning altar and touches Isaiah's lips, it's the same cleansing, sanctification process. When God calls, He cleanses. So what excuse do you have now? That sin you did last night, doesn't matter, God cleansed. The blood of Jesus is sufficient for anything we've done. Stop voicing disqualifications. Second point I want to make. 22nd TO on this sermon. This is the first time I've ever written out word for word. I'm impressed with myself. Let's get back at it. Sorry. I got notes and everything, man. It's, It's nice. It's real nice. Second point, stop, just stop voicing disqualifications. Number two, obediently speak God's bidding. Obediently speak God's bidding. One of our phrases in the church, if you haven't heard the motto, um, the last part of it says, do the stuff. And it's just a simple blanket statement that says, whatever God is calling you to do, I'm not here to tell you what it is. Do it. Simple. Do the stuff. If you're a Christian, do whatever that takes to be a Christian. Not that you have to earn salvation or work it up to feel validated in your relationship with God. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about go on dates with Jesus. If it's supposed to be a marriage, do the stuff to build a marriage, build that relationship, yearn for Him as he yearns for you pursue him as he pursues you do the stuff and when God speaks in those moments where he says you should probably give here or speak here or pray or come and be with me or put down the iPad jumpo put down the iPad do the stuff cuz I guarantee you it'll be better than what you're trading it in for at men's retreat a couple weeks ago I've been really struggling with it. I mean, I've been dealing with this for over a year, guys. Like, this is my hypocrisy in front of you today that God has been speaking to me and telling me to step out and be bold and do the stuff, and I haven't. And so, at Men's Retreat, again, I'm wrestling with this. Like, God, give me something fresh. And he's like, I'm not going to give you anything fresh until you do what I've already told you to do. You want to grow? Start walking with me. Otherwise, you're stuck until you realize obedience is going to release the kingdom. And God spoke to me because I was looking for, for affirmation. I was, I was wanting people, it was like a, a two-week period where I was working really hard, and I just wanted people to say, good job. Like, you're doing the, the right thing. You're, you're such a man. I wanted everybody to praise me selfishly because I'm a words of affirmation person. If you don't know, my love language is words of affirmation. So if you want to love on me, puff me up. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Woohoo! Yeah, okay? Just giving you a little tidbit. Youth, don't betray me because I already see the scheming in your eyes. But the Lord told me as I was saying, God, I just want to be told that I'm doing the right thing. He says, if your work for the Lord needs to be reaffirmed by an outside voice, meaning somebody else or or some book, then it can also be discouraged by the same outside voice. If your following God needs to be reaffirmed by somebody else, then the moment you step out in faith and they don't agree, you'll step back because you don't want to offend them. Galatians 1.10 says, Am I working for God or for man? If I was working for man, I could not be a servant of God. And that hit me home. The third one, stop voicing disqualification Obediently speak God's bidding. Refuse to fear. Refuse to fear. I wish Bill Carroll was here this morning because he, he's always talking about this chicken line that we're we got this line drawn in the sand and we we got to step over that. But there's a big part of us that either we're not we don't have any legs to step over it. Some sort of disqualification. We're making excuses. We're, we're not sure if that's really God speaking to us or, quite frankly, we are just afraid. We are so afraid. Either that we'll be made fun of, we'll look a fool, or maybe it'll work. Maybe God will ask us to change our entire life to fit around this new lifestyle. And we're pretty comfortable with where we're at. We like it. It's easy. It's repetitive at times, but it's easy. But when God asks us to move, the fear comes up and we don't want to lose what we have. And we hold on tight. And fear does not let us come to God with open hands and say, my life is yours. Refuse to fear. Second Timothy 1, 7 says, For God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is not something God wields. It's not something He gives you. It's not a calling. It's not a gifting. It's of the enemy, and it's of our own doing. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy, and he wants to make you afraid of spiders. He wants to make you afraid of the dark. When I was a kid, I used to run on the furniture to turn the light switch on because there was something always under my bed until the light came on, and then I was good. Because fear. When God speaks, I'm sure Abraham or Jeremiah had this fear because he said, Lord, I'm a youth. I'm a youth. They're going to look at me and laugh. They're not going to listen to me. What do I have to say to them? And he was afraid of a nation that God had called him to speak to. But we do not have a spirit of fear. And let me tell you what God's answer was with that. For I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord verse 8 do not be afraid of their faces for i am with you says the lord listen if god is giving you the words and he's also in verse 10 setting you over the kingdoms to root out to pull down he's giving you authority over everything in the name of jesus cuz everything is under jesus if he's already giving you the words and he's giving you the authority what do you have to be afraid of all you have to do is be faithful to what he's called you to do and let him be effective. You're not the one who's required to bring salvation to people. You're the one who's supposed to share the good news. Amen. You're not the one to bring healing. You're the one that's supposed to allow the Holy Spirit to flow through you and the power of God to bring healing. Amen. Emotional, mental, physical, spiritual. But when we look at ourselves, we do, I'm not good enough. That wasn't you, and I ain't doing it. So this morning, I want to give us a chance to be the church. To not just come to church, not just quite honestly play church. I am hungry for the first church lifestyle. When I read the book of Acts, when I look at Peter and the disciples... I don't see that. I'm not just talking about our church. I'm talking about mostly the western world, the modern church. I don't see the hunger after God. I don't see the urgency because time is short that I see in Paul and Peter and Timothy. They literally thought Jesus was coming back before their days ended. And Jesus gave them the task of preach to the whole world. So there was no time to waste. There was no, we got 2,000 years here. We can take our time. They got on their horses or put on their sandals and took off. And they preached and they proclaimed. And the power of God followed their ministries because they were hungry for Jesus. They wanted him back. He gave them a task. And in order for him to come back, he said that the whole world must be evangelized. As part of the the process. And they said, I want to be with Jesus. And he's given me a a job to do. And in order for me to be faithful to my lover, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to make excuses. And I'm not going to question his authority. And I'm not going to allow fear to keep me from the relationship that me and my my Jesus are going to have. I'm hungry for that. And I know that we have to come to a place where our, our identity is rooted, founded, grounded. And that He is our God and we are His people. He sanctified us. He ordained us. He calls us and He gives us the words. Gives us the right. So this morning, we're going to move into a um, time of reflection. But what I'm going to ask, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're not just going to come to church, but we're going to be the church. You ready? I'm going to ask that after we take the Lord's Supper, that we take a few minutes to have a time of prayer. And then I'm going to ask you in that time of prayer that you would pray that God would show you, tell you, put it on your heart to go somewhere out there and look for an opportunity to share the gospel. That's why I'm in and early, so that you've got time. I'm serious. I'm going to go to the mall, and I'm going to stand in front of Fuddruckers if you want to join me. If you don't know how to evangelize, if you've never been called to do street ministry or anything like that, listen. Come with me. We'll do it together. We'll go sweep the mall and then we'll get some Chinese in the food court. But if God is laying on your heart to do something else, be obedient to what God has called you to do. I want us to move. I want myself, this is really about me um, and my hypocrisy and me not being obedient. And so I'm, they gave me a mic, so I'm inviting you into what I'm trying to do. Um, but I want to move on what God has placed on my heart years ago. I don't want to be next year, come summertime, and say two summers ago I sat in the car with my brother-in-law and talked about how I didn't need another Bible study. I needed to do what God has already taught me to do. I didn't need another church service, another healing. I didn't need another word. I didn't need more encouragement. I just needed to take what I knew, give it all to God, and let the rest be up to Him. Let him be effective. Listen, I know there's a couple things. If you have children and you're thinking, I got little ones, I can't go to the mall and try to pray for somebody and they're screaming right next to me. I understand. God knows that too. If they're babies, then you do what the Lord has led you to do today. As long as it takes you leaning on Him. As long as it puts you in a place of being a little bit uncomfortable, a risk in your faith. And let the Comforter come and comfort you. I understand babies. Babies don't sometimes get what we're doing in the kingdom of God. If you got little ones, not babies, but not fully understanding what's happening, this could be an awesome time to show them and lead your household, men, to lead your families and, and represent Christ to your children. Some of you I know won't want to come. This is a little bit too weird for you or something. Um, and that's okay. Listen, I'm not here to, to tell you I'm inviting you. If you don't want to do it, I'm not going to say that you're less than me. Because I haven't done it for the last like four years of my life. So what right do I have? And I hope and pray that nobody else in this room will look at you and say, Oh, you're not going to go? It's not our heart, guys. We want freedom, grace in this place. If uh, you've never done this before I don't want to just send you out and you don't have any you don't know what you're doing right that's kind of pointless I want to give you a tool to say this is how it it happens if you go with me to the mall or if you go anywhere to out to lunch you're saying well I'm not gonna miss lunch that's fine go out to lunch but be expecting or already make a deal with yourself and God that you're gonna pray over the waiter or you're gonna bless the waiter with a huge financial tip or something whatever it is God is creative This is what a simple tool that can help you get started and get you over that chicken line and get rid of your fear and to not give you any excuses either that you don't know what to say. When you see a person wherever you're at that God kind of highlights you feel like I should probably talk to that person or like this person will do. Walk up to them. Introduce yourself. Don't be a creep. (laughs) Introduce yourself. And ask if you can have a little bit of their time. And then just say, if God could do one miracle in your life today, what would it be and why? Have a conversation. Listen to these people because when I've done this, guys, they will tell you the deepest hurts. It might take a minute, they might have to, you might have to gain their trust by not just jumping in and jumping out, but sitting there and listening to them and engaging with them not to have an agenda and run them through Roman's road of salvation plan but just to say I care to listen I care to be right here with you right now because this is how God loves you that he will sit here with you no matter where we're at and be with you and go at your pace ask him that question and then before you leave pray out loud with them About that request. Financial. Health of a family member. Whatever. Pray with them right then. If you don't know. If God could do one miracle in your life. What would it be and why? Have a conversation. Pray with that person. Watch what God does. So. Here in a minute as the ushers come forth to to serve communion, I want, I want us to be reminded of Jesus. That through this right here, not these physical things, but what this represents, we are sanctified. His blood, His body broken for us. He took our sinfulness, traded for His righteousness. So now we are in right standing with God. Holy, without fault in His eyes. Ephesians 1 Verse 3 says, You are holy and without fault in His eyes, and He has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. You don't need anything more than what Jesus did for you in His death and resurrection. And today we're going to remember that, but again, we're not going to hold on to this. Salvation is not for us. It's for everyone. And God did not save us just to save us us, he saved us so that we could join in in his plan to redeem all of creation. And so remember him. And then we're gonna go straight into the time of prayer to where you ask God where. When, how, what? And he will speak. If he doesn't you're still like, I don't know, but I feel like I need to do this, come with me. I'll be at FUD Records and I'll wait there till about noon, noon fifteen we'll go. And then I'm going to come back to the church about one or so. And if anybody wants to come back and share testimonies of what just happened, you're more than welcome to. If you say, I got things to do, be free. Go have lunch. Go enjoy yourself. It's Sunday. Take your day. Relax. Be with God. But if you want to come back, I have some cleaning up to do but I'll take the time and we will fellowship over what God just did in our midst that we were not coming to church but being the church this morning when we close I will stand up and give a word of prayer and I'm headed out the door so what that means is we can't hang out in the sanctuary or the foyer today everybody's got to go this is a commission not a challenge I'm sending you out so don't hang out all right? Let's pray, and we'll move into a time of communion. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for being so bold with us, Father, for speaking to my heart and, and really not giving up on me as I constantly refuse to be a good listener, refuse to be obedient, to be a good son, Father. I, I apologize from my lack of conviction, my my lack of relationship with you, God. Lord, would you give us the power to go forth this morning and send us out with eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts that are ready to just do whatever it is you lay on our hearts. That we would be bold, that we wouldn't make excuses, that we would hear you and trust that we hear you And we would not let fear keep us from the things that you want to show us. This morning, God, as we take communion, I ask that you would just bring a remembrance of who you are in our minds. And what you've called us to do. Lord, I thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Communion at our church is not a closed communion. It's not just for our church members. And so, God, if you could come help me. If you're a believer, you have right to this. You take that one. Thank you. If you know Jesus Christ, we want you to participate in communion. Don't feel like there's any rules that keep you from that. If you don't know Christ, we ask that you hold off. It's just a very scriptural thing. We don't want you to do anything that you're not supposed to as a part, as not being a part of the body. So be blessed. Let us enter into a time of prayer and then be commissioned and sent out this afternoon. Thank you.